You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Hey, Nerf Herders. You sure you want to go with that? Hey, everyone? There we go. More inviting. Have you ever had a movie that you really wanted to love, but something holds you back? Or one that you did love in spite of a flaw? Well, I'm Casey. And I'm Sam Alisea. And on another pass, we sit down with cool guests to look at movies that we find fascinating. But flawed. And we try to imagine what could have been done when they were made to give them that little push. We're not experts. We just believe in criticism. Uh, constructive criticism. Sure. But come take another pass at some movies with us. And every now and then, we can celebrate movies that did it on their own, too. You can find us at CertainPOV.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Pass it on. Welcome back to another episode of VHS Gems, the Giggly Media podcast in which we open the treasure box of nostalgia and video cassettes and rewind and decide whether or not those those movies of that time are are worth the rewatch, whether or not they should be redone for a more modern age, or whether or not they should stay where they were and probably be forgotten. Um, I'm Jessica, and joining with me is John. Hello. And today we are talking about the comedy UHF, which when you, because you picked this one, I didn't even pick this out of the treasure box. I was just like, I have no time. Just, just pick one. I know you know some gems. So, (laughs) and you, you picked this one. Oh, actually you picked this one or Earth Girls are easy. And I just happened to be with my dad at the time, and I just told my dad, like, oh, hey, I got to pick between these two. What do you think? And he's like, UHF, like instantly. Apparently, <laughs> it was one of his favorite comedies. And my mom said, oh, he watched it all the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> which, yeah, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, yeah, I do remember this being on our TV a lot when I was growing up. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't fill you with the love of all things Weird Al? I I liked it. I like Weird Al though. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. So Weird Al is the lead character in UHF, and it's he plays a character named George, who lives in his head by pretending he's the lead in a bunch of movies, basically, which is I think how a lot of people live in their head. Pretty and, much. Yeah. yeah, and he through some twist of fate. From a gambling uncle, he ends up being a manager of a small local TV station, Channel 62. And he decides to use that to, I don't know, create just crazy, wild and crazy shows that people end up enjoying. Put his imagination to use, yeah. Yes, including a kid's show and (laughs) a game show called Wheel of Fish. A science show and just a bunch of other crazy random a stuff. Geraldo <laughs> Rivera style talk show. Yeah. <laughs> it's th- this this thing is just so great. I can't wait it's, to dive into it. This is just one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> it is it is 
It is very hilarious. It was fun watching it. And then I, I actually did watch it with my dad, too. So it was fun watching it, like, and him knowing the lines before they came on. And <laughs> it was great. Stupid. Stupid. <laughs> no, his his big one. And he made me rewind, too, because I didn't catch it. was the, <laughs> the supplies. <laughs> supplies. And I was like, oh, my God. That was so dumb. It's so hilarious. Oh, and one of our new... Um, reoccurring segments is does it star wars the answer is yes it does yes it does there was a star wars reference or like two i think i know i did i did hear the the um the sound of the the lightsaber was there any other reference that i totally think that was pretty much it yeah surprising because for a movie that was lampooning a lot of pop culture at the time um I figured they're like, you know what? We already did Indiana Jones. We can't do too many Lucasfilm yeah, we properties can't get, here. Can't get Star Wars in there because, yeah, the entire beginning of UHF starts with Weird Al being Indiana Jones in Indiana Jones. Uh, that one is Temple of Raiders Doom, of the Lost. Right? Raiders of was the that Lost Raiders Ark. of the Lost Ark? Oh, yeah. I always get those two beginnings different. Raiders of the Lost Ark. If I remember correctly, that one was never called Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. It was just Raiders of the Lost Ark. And it wasn't until the sequels that it started adding Indiana Jones to it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think, yeah, Raiders of... I always thought Temple of Doom was just Temple of Doom, but no, maybe it is Indiana Jones Temple. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which I was the crazy one that liked Temple of Doom. You know, that was the first one I saw Uh because it was on constant rotation on HBO. So I thought Mm. it was great because that minecart sequence at the end was so cool. It's fun. You just want like a roller coaster somewhere. But but then when I saw the others, I was like, wow, like Temple of Doom is kind of the odd duck out of that. But then once you see kind of like a greater, I guess, lore of Indiana Jones and it it, kind of makes sense how it fits in. How like mm-hmm. all these religious artifacts that have power seem to be like some sort of extraterrestrial or extra intradimensional origin? Oh, so you're like, you're okay. throwing in the fourth one too, Kingdom of the Crystal oh, yeah. Skull, and that. Yeah. yeah. Well, the whole thing is like to me, Indiana Jones was always an archaeologist, and archaeology means more than just Christian religious stuff. So to me, Temple of Doom made perfect sense, and I like. I don't even I don't necessarily love the multidimensional, but I like to think that things with belief have power. And so like depending on how much people believe in it, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Like Yeah, belief in something can give it power. Yeah, that's totally like the the gist behind the secret, I think. The power yeah. of positive thinking. Yeah. yeah, the power of belief as like a thing. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Like every it's kinda it's a concept in like American Gods, which it's more in the show than it is in the book I'm learning, where it's like, if you believe a god exists, then they exist. And so in the show, they have an episode where there's a mansion filled with a bunch of Jesus Christs, where there's like black Jesus and white Jesus (laughs) and like every different version of Jesus from like the Baptist version to the Catholic version. The the Korean Jesus from uh, 21 Jump Street, the movie. (laughs) Or Korean Jesus, yeah. Um, it's kind of kind of like something along the lines of that. Like belief is powerful, I guess. I don't know. That went really cheesy, didn't it? For a comedy have you movie. Ever, have you ever seen Drop Dead Fred? 
No, well, maybe I don't know because I thought I had never seen this, and then I watched it. I'm like, oh, I have seen this. So okay, yeah, this one, uh, Drop Dead Fred, is kind of like about imaginary friends and how they're real as long as you believe in them. Um, think mm-hmm. like Bing Bong from Inside Bing Out. Bong, Bing Bong. Oh no, I don't um, want to. <laughs> but this is like more like adult oriented. Okay. Um, it, it's a weird movie. Uh, this one and like Monkey Bone. Um, well, there's there's also um, is it what's under your bed or the boogeyman? I can't remember. It's a Disney Channel original, or it's all about that your imaginary friend actually does exist as long as you believe in them. Yeah, basically that's what it is. Yeah. is that, that this it's real if you believe in it, and then um, the lack of belief, or as you grow up and stop believing in fantastical things, and they start to die out and that kind of thing. It's interesting psychological thing, which I wasn't expecting to take in a movie like UHF to take place. But uh, yeah, it's just one of the great things about this show is that you never know where we're going to end up. (laughs) Yeah. So, and this, it's filled with just so many shenanigans, so many hilarious people. So you got Weird Al, of course. And then you also have, what's his name? Michael, what's his real name? Because I always just call him Kramer. Uh, Kramer. Michael Richards as Stanley Spadowski, the janitor who turns into a child show host. Spadowski's, what was it called? Spadowski's something. The the Spadowski's Clubhouse. Clubhouse. I was at Stanley Spadowski's Clubhouse. And it's just like not something I would let my children watch, but. (laughs) (laughs) Or they, they have the game of finding the marble in the oatmeal pile. Yeah, the I so going back slightly to like kind of just a brief rundown of the plot because this movie just has so many sight gags and mm-hmm. just moments that even upon this rewatch and knowing things were coming up, they still made me laugh. Yeah, I was like waiting for it, and I was telling my daughter like, "Hey, watch this, watch this," <laughs> and I was like, "The f- drink from the fire hose part." <laughs> oh my gosh! And I started laughing, and she just looked at me and rolled her eyes like. That's not funny. Dad. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was laughing. I was cracking up, but yeah. that's my humor. <laughs> or, <laughs> or the 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 shop teacher that chopped his thumb off. <laughs> that one was just so good. So over the top. That and was it, so good. What, and that really was stuff. one too where my dad was like, You better be paying attention to this. Yeah. You know? like, okay. See that that's that scene is totally sold by the performance of Emo Phillips, which that's how he talks like I don't know if that's a character he plays in real life, but that if you ever see him do, because he's a stand-up comedian, mm-hmm. that's how he talks all the time. Like he has mm. this really weird cadence and delivery to all of his words, um, where it's just it's almost funny just listening to him. It doesn't even really matter what he's saying. But so to give just a brief rundown of the story, so yes, you're right. Uh, Weird Al playing a, a character named George Newman. He gets fired from his job for basically daydreaming. Him and his best friend work at like a burger place. I think it was mm-hmm. like Big Edna's Burgers or something like that. Yeah. And they get launched out by Big Edna yeah, when he gets like, fired. It's like like something out of like Matilda, like the <laughs> trench bowl just like chucks him yeah. across the parking <laughs> lot. Trench- <laughs> yeah. And um, so Weird Al also has a girlfriend played by Victoria Jackson, who at the time was a cast member on SNL. And oh, right. She, uh, funny side story. Uh, she introduced Weird Al to Nirvana, and um, 
Weird Al was like, hey, can you introduce me? I really want to talk to those guys about making a parody of one of their songs. And mm-hmm. that's when he made Smells Like Nirvana. And apparently Kurt was really uh, like digging it. He was like, oh, is it going to be a song about food? Because at the time it was kind of known for making parodies like Eat It and Fat mm-hmm. um, from like Michael Jackson songs. He was like, no, it's about how you can't understand the lyrics. And it's... It's a really funny parody. Like it's the video is funny. And, oh yeah, it, it's if you if you're familiar with the Smells Like Teen Spirit video, the Weird Al version is perfect. It's so okay. good. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, yeah. So he's his girlfriend's kind of like you know like when are you gonna do something with your life? She's not really harping on him, but you know she just wants him to do better. Yeah, I think and, the line she says is like, "I just wish you could find a job that you can use your imagination in." Yeah, kind of thing. So he's at uh, his uncle's party of some sort, which leads to one of my first like favorite gags, where he's trying to feed Punch to the dog. <laughs> I thought that gag. I was like, "What is he doing? He's just holding a dog and trying to ladle Punch, and the dog's just like not having it." <laughs> and he just drops the dog in the punch. <laughs> Hey, come here, George. Pull up. (laughs) He's just like, okay. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) So, yeah, they basically said, here, why don't you go to this place and just, like, figure out what to do with it? So him and his friend go to this what looks like a deserted TV station, except it's not deserted because the engineer's there. And he's, like, this Mm -hmm. totally weird mad scientist-looking guy. Yeah. And, um, yeah, from there, we just kind of get started. He's trying to figure out what to do with it just basically slapping things together when he gets his sh- like hand at trying the kid show one of the kids spits in his face which i was like oh well he wasn't that great at it he was uh, not <laughs> yeah you did skip over one of my favorite random gags which is when he first pulls up to the station there's like a homeless guy there and he asks for change and um, George holds out like change in his hand and the guy counts out a dollar's worth of change and he's like one dollar and then boop, puts like a wet and soggy one dollar bill in his hand and takes the change and I don't know why I thought that was the most hilarious thing ever but that was yeah, that was he, hilarious he wasn't asking for a handout <laughs> I, I just want to change for a dollar <laughs> uh, I think we're also technically skipping over uh, another funny side gag which is when he shows up to his apartment where he's roommates with his friend. Oh man, there's every sequence in that there's apartment. There's so many gags. The he Twinkie makes, hot dog yes. cheese whiz was uh, just... And dunked in milk. And dunked in milk. And I I gagged. I had to look <laughs> at my phone during that scene. I was like, uh-uh. I don't like Twinkies though. So. I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, Ambiguously Brown, which is one of the uh, friends of Geek Elite Media, has uh, a recurring section where they try disgusting or movie food or something like that oh and my I, gosh i think they tried that i think did they, they uh, the oh, twinkies rest twink, our souls twinkie hot dogs <laughs> oh my god yeah that was <laughs> with disgusting. cheese was on top uh. <laughs> but it had a so when they first arrived there there's i guess they live either downstairs or side by side with the karate dojo and that's when we first meet getty watanabe's uh Cooney, I think his yeah, name is. Cooney. Cooney was his name. And, uh, yeah, so he's the so one. So stupid. Who constantly <laughs> keeps saying everyone is so stupid. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that guy's great. I love that dude every time I see him in anything. Okay. Um, 
And my whole favorite scene in that whole part is because another thing is that George is very absent-minded, so he's mm-hmm. constantly forgetting appointments and times. So he says, "Wait, what time is it?" Because he had a date with uh, his girlfriend Cherry. And at that exactly at that same moment, somebody, somebody punches the, through the wall with a watch. Yeah, they punch through the wall, and he sees the time right in front of his face. <laughs> it's like I'm late. I'm like, okay, not gonna acknowledge the fist just went through the wall. Okay, cool. Um, it happens yeah. every day, apparently. <laughs> yeah. And Cherry's basically like, you know what? You have like one more chance, man. Like, there's only so much patience I have in this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so he starts running the TV show. It's kind of lackluster at first. Um, some really bizarre programming starts to take place. But throughout the, the show, the movie, you also get like interspersed with commercials for shows, I guess, that are going to be presented. Yeah. Um, this one comes a little bit later, but I have to talk about it now because I distinctly remember a point in time where I would see commercials like this all the time on TV. Uh huh. This was very late 80s, but Spatula City. Spatula City. That was that was hilarious. And the billboard. So I, I read the trivia and apparently the billboard that they use for Spatula City, they actually did rent a billboard for a while, but they had to take it down because people would pull off at the nearest highway exit and ask the local locals like where's spatula city at and the local <laughs> businesses started complaining that they finally took the ad down <laughs> yeah that, i always thought that was funny and it's you know what it, this triggered a sort of existential crisis in me there's a word for it i can't remember off the top of my head what it's called but you know when you look at a word and suddenly it doesn't make any sense to you and it's like this is a word what spatula yeah. did that to me today I was like, like that's a wait, word. spatula? Spatula Spat- does like, look like it should be like an ancient spell, you say, or something. Yeah. Spatula. Like, why, <laughs> why do we call these tools spatulas? Like, that's, I, it, it, yeah, it made me really question everything I knew about language Ooh. and comprehension for a few moments. And then it went away, like, it was like deja vu for a moment. I was like, okay, I think I'm back now. And I'm curious. Hold on. It is Latin in origin. From spatula. <laughs> Which is uh, to turn over in the process of cooking. Is that what it's it is? Sort of spathe. Hold on. Now I got to look up. Nope. I have no idea. Spathe comes from plants. Well, like a blade on a plant, like a palm. So it's okay. like palm shaped. So spatula, spatula, I guess. A spatula. Okay. Spatula. <laughs> All right. Well, now I feel a little bit better that we got the etymology oh. of it down. Yeah, that was just a quick Google search. So if I ended up being wrong, blame Google. <laughs> etymology fans. <laughs> well, Google is controlled by the government, so you have to like take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> Everything is controlled by the government. Oh, snap. Not VHS jams. We choose our own movies here. Not VHS jams. Or do we? Or do we? Yeah. Is it just ingrained in our heads to choose these things? I just, I just watched Josie and the Pussycats for the first time, and all of the things mm-hmm. about subliminal messages was really cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. I think that's where I learned about subliminal messages. Subliminal, I, subliminal messages the I, first time. I think you've mentioned that before recently, that, that we had a subliminal message conversation. No, we did not. You could be having severe deja vu right now. 
I could the government be. is trying to correct itself because yeah, the now matrix. we have become aware. <laughs> the matrix is resetting because we figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> this this is what causes Mandela effect. And I was like, wait, was it Berenstein or Berenstein? I never knew how to spell it. So I was like, I didn't know that was even how it was spelled both ways. So <laughs> I thought it was just Berenstein. <laughs> Berenstein. Okay. My... So the, there's a bunch of different programs. We already talked about Stanley Spadowski's Clubhouse. Um, my Real personal quick. favorite. Oh, no. What? Uh, since you brought up Stanley Spadowski, I just wanted to say Michael Richards' performance in this movie is so bonkers. It's like, so he's... bonkers. It's, <laughs> he's, he's very much a Forrest Gump type character so he's definitely not well this whole movie is not politically correct but yeah (laughs) but his relationship with the mob because that was one of the conversations my my mom was like oh you watched it so many times to my dad or whatever (laughs) and he's like really we watched it so many times he's like who had the mop and she couldn't remember (laughs) just because you watched it a bunch of times doesn't mean you retained any of it And he's like, really, you don't remember? And I was like, ah. And I went like, it's Kramer with the mop and his love for his mop and being a supposedly bad janitor when really it's just, um, what was that bad guy's name? Fletcher. Fletcher who owns Channel 8. Surprise is the bad guy because he's a old white heterosexual male. So there we go. <laughs> male um oh, but to be fair he is a buffoon so i think that's part of the point is that yeah he's you know yeah so he f- fires stanley the janitor for doing the not even doing anything wrong he accused him of doing something that he didn't even do basically throwing away an important file or whatever and he didn't even do that and he takes his mop away and stanley's like no that's my mop and the guy's like it's company property and he's like my mop and he's just so fraught over this beautiful mop and then he runs into george and george hires him to be a janitor and ends up ends up that Stanley Spadowski is really good with children and he takes over this the child show that George was trying to do yeah takes it over after George basically has a emotional breakdown because he got dumped yeah and his last performance as the kids show act uh, performer though was great he just walks out like in his first appearance he's super he's animated like- jumping up and down flattening his arms Hitting somebody with a frying pan, which apparently in trivia that um, he was actually hit with a frying pan and had a split lip and everything. And they kept that take. They just did one take. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard that that's a thing in Hollywood where like if somebody does a scene where they get hurt, that they have to use that or not they have to, but it's like an unwritten rule. And I was like, it generally looks better is I think what it actually is. It generally looks more hilarious, which (laughs) it looks like to me like he did get hit because they kind of did a weird pan thing and he like really went down and grabbed his lip. And I was like, wait, did he actually get hit? And sure enough, I read in trivia. I'm like, oh, he did. (laughs) You know, one of the best examples of that happening from what I've seen is in The Road Warrior, the first Mad Max movie. Mm. Um, I think the first one was called Mad Max. I don't remember the exact thing. But anyway, there was this one stunt that they did. And keep in mind, this was very low budget back in like 78, 79 in Mm -hmm. Australia somewhere in the middle of nowhere. 
And so the the trick was going to be somebody was going to be launched over a car, flip, and then land on some kind of like safety matting or something. Yeah. Well, he was launched a little too hard. He went a little too low. His feet hit oh the top of like a car or something that was in the way. Oh dear. So that caused him to pinwheel. Yep. And it looks gnarly because you can tell that that's a real person that oh, suddenly no. becomes a rag doll. Oh. And you don't see the landing. That all happens off camera. But apparently like that person broke his leg in like three places. Uh-huh. And um, I mean, yeah, you can tell like, oh, no, like if this was real, like that person would have died. That was a really gnarly launch. But yeah, that's apparently a thing that happens. And assuming there was no fatalities, because that also has happened, unfortunately, in Hollywood stunts and other situations. I was like, okay, nope, we need to destroy all this evidence now. But if everything is okay in the end, then they'll be like, okay, we're using that one because that was just, you know, too good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. But yeah. That's... But you were going to say something about that scene before I interrupted with Spadowski. <laughs> I have no I Oh, he does a really great. So how he becomes the head of the kids is he does a very great monologue about how he has a new mop, even though he liked his old mop better. And it's like teaching kids a lesson about how like you got to keep on pushing through the struggles of life kind of thing. <laughs> and it's great. And it works. And my favorite thing about his character is that he insists on still staying a janitor. Like he's he's a celebrity part-time, but still is polishing doorknobs at the station. Um, we have also completely skipped over another female role. Um, Fran oh, the Nanny. Yes, Fran Drescher. Um, she was basically a receptionist when she started, but she wanted to do the news. And so she goes does the news their cameraman is a little person so he doesn't quite get great angles but and oh, yeah, she everything runs, is real low angle <laughs> yeah everything's real low angle um but she's actually really good at her job she's really good at doing the news i mean she's fran and she's hilarious and you know what though she was speaking with her normal voice and i found that kind of weird <laughs> I'm just so yeah, used to hearing her, her as the her nanny. Her voice isn't far from the nanny voice. She just like over enunciates on the nanny voice. Yeah. It's but like still. still her voice, just very over the top, I think. At least for me. And she runs into Channel 8 Bozos, who's like, broads don't belong in broadcasting. And they they trip the little person because I do not remember his name. And I feel bad for not remembering his name. Thank you, Roy. And they trip Roy and... Oh, no, sorry. Roy Batty is <laughs> oh. a completely different person. Billy Barty is his name. Okay. Roy Batty is the the head replicant from Blade Runner. Oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You know, the only reason so, I remember uh, it was Billy Barty to begin with, though, is mm-hmm. because he played Wildor in Masters of the Universe, the He-Man movie. I have not seen the He-Man movie. Good. That movie's awful. Okay. I haven't seen a He-Man. I think I've watched a little bit of the show, maybe like in passing as a kid. Um, I am currently watching She-Ra, though, on Netflix, and I'm probably going to watch that new He-Man, too, after I finish it. Not that they're connected, but they're I not. wanted to finish no. She-Ra first, first before I moved on to He-Man. So it's great. It makes you cry. I don't know why everything has to make you cry nowadays, but it makes, you, 
Yes, it does. It gets really emotional in season three, <laughs> in season four, and season Doesn't five kinda... is not looking up either. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, wait, is that the one that kind of looks like My Little Pony? Yes, it is. It looks like just your average kids show, but the last five just your average kids show has made me ball like a baby every once in a while. So I guess that's what we're teaching kids is how to feel things. Well, yeah, I think uh, great, we went through a period I don't of to feel things anymore. <laughs> well, no more than normal. Yeah, no more than normal. I cried twice today because of a cartoon. Oh yeah. I, I gotta admit, the last episode of the Bad Patch, I was a little bit like, "Oh, Shh, don't like, tell me yet! End. Don't tell me yet! I'm not. It, I haven't watched it. It feels like the, the end of an. You know what? It's it's not well. I already right, know I'll, what happens. It was already spoiled for me. Well, wow. I mean, I know the big thing that happens, but whatever. I mean, thank you, Twitter. Thank you so much. It's mm. the Star Wars stuff I follow. It's my fault, but still. <laughs> <laughs> um, back to UHF. Um, because we always have to go on a really great tangent. It's not Vegas Gems unless there's five tangents. <laughs> but, no, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Fletcher ends up... He ends up losing in ratings. Because UHF is like kind of like that channel made for the people of the town kind of thing. And so they get really good ratings. They get number one in the ratings. And... All of a sudden, Fletcher is like, I need to have it shut down. And just at that time, the uncle who owns the the station, he loses in his gambling and he owes $75,000 and he needs to get $75,000 by 10 o'clock on Friday in like two days, I guess. And Fletcher is willing to pay the bill and then just knock down the channel station because he can't technically legally own two channels, which kind of confused me because if you're an audience member from Yuma like we are, you know that all of our news stations are owned by the same person, even though it's three different channels. Um, (laughs) And they often use the same exact stories. And they're all not really great at journalism. So it's it's wonderful news here in Yuma. Um, tell us how you really feel. I know. <laughs> it's like, it was literally to the point where a few years ago, I was like, I'm going to go get a journalism degree and like create my own station. I'm done with this. But that didn't happen. So <laughs> <laughs> it's just a fantasy. But um, Fletcher offers to buy it, to shut it down. And, but um, the aunt's, decides to convince the uncle to give George a chance to raise up $75,000. They have a massive telethon. They seem to be getting there. Fletcher does some no good stuff. Kidnaps Stanley Stavowski. You get epic fight scenes. It's wonderful. And of course they end up raising $75,000 because of a mistake that Fletcher made. And it's great. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely skipping over a lot, but this is a movie that's just, it's built on just all these tiny little moments. It's, that... so, it's so much, <laughs> like, I li- like, I'm trying to not go through the entire movie moment by moment, because you might as well just go watch the movie. <laughs> but, but yeah, in, in, in between there, you get 
the the engineer manages to put a camera in Fletcher's office to be able to spy on him. And George's girlfriend, Terry, Terry, right? Or Tori? Terry. Yeah. Terry goes and manages to get Fletcher to basically say that he hates the town, thinks it's full of a bunch of idiots and all that. And you get just a wonderful fight scene as um, Stanley Spadowski is stuck in the warehouse and he sees his mop and he fights to get his mop and he fights with his mop, which is where you get the one Star Wars reference of it sounding like a lightsaber and fights his way through. And then Cooney and his ninjas come in and save the day, save the day by hiding in a supply closet and when the supply closet gets opened by the bad guys, they say supplies instead of surprise. <laughs> and it's the best thing ever. <laughs> it's uh, so good. Uh, it's so we also good. missed a um, prior to that when George or Weird Al finds out that they're holding um, Stanley Spadowski hostage. Mm-hmm. He gets enraged and then we treat it to a whole fantasy sequence where he becomes Rambo. Yep. <laughs> that one was great. Um, I have never seen Rambo. I don't want to see Rambo, which I like old action films, but I don't this know why is, like Rambo, I'm like, I don't want to watch this at all. This was basically it, Rambo, though. Yeah, like, okay. Yeah, I definitely don't want to watch this. My mom went to go see Rambo in theaters when it was out, and she walked out in 10 minutes, she said. I mean, yeah, they're, they're not fun movies unless you just like seeing people getting killed. <laughs> Yeah, and she does not. She doesn't like seeing people get tortured or killed. And she's like, yep, I walked out of it. And I was like, cool. Um, so, but yeah, seeing this, I was like, is this really Rambo? <laughs> like, this looks silly. But then again, I did watch Expendables 3. So, mm-hmm. there's that. But at least now, that one's not just about killing people, I guess. Well, the first, the, the first Rambo, which is actually called First Blood, again, with the whole first part of the movie having a different name than the rest of the series um, was actually a very somber story because it's about a a vet returning from like the Vietnam war Mm -hmm. and not really being welcome in the town he's in. And for some reason, the police kept harassing him and he's just trying to mind his own business, but they trigger his PTSD, which at the time wasn't really called that. It was just, it wasn't known. Yeah. Yeah. His, his fighting instinct basically just gets turned on again and, Mm -hmm. He ends up, everything he does is basically in self-defense, really. But, um, you know, ends up causing some some bloodshed, yeah. And, um, but then every Rambo movie after that just basically became, like, just like a murder fantasy. Like, every person that wished they could go to war and just slaughter countless, like, military or guerrilla people. Like, it was some kind of wish fulfillment for that. Hmm. Um, Kind of like how Death Wish was a story about, you know, getting revenge for brutal murder. And it just became, I'm just going to go out and start shooting criminals. <laughs> that was, um, yeah, yeah. It, there was, it, it was a very 80s thing for some reason. I was like, crime was going up. People were starting to get scared of minorities more. And I was like, wouldn't it be cool if we could just go out and shoot all these people and not get in trouble for it? That's basically what that became. So whether that's people in the jungle across the sea or people in the ghetto, that's kind of became a thing. I could, I, for mm-hmm. some reason. 
Yeah, around the time that we were actually doing the war on drugs and all that and doing bad propaganda and stuff on drugs and where they come from and all that stuff. So, yeah, that makes sense that it's what would be a good chunk of the 80s when it comes to action. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I was not too impressed with the whole Rambo line. I was very much impressed with something we kind of glazed over with the fever dream. Well, not fever dream, but George has a dream in which he dreams up money for nothing as being <laughs> the Beverly Hillbillies theme song. And it's just beautiful, mainly because money for nothing is like one of my top songs to listen to every once in a while so i was like "Ooh, and yeah it's like pretty much whole song just like the music video well it's weird al it's weird al doing money for nothing as the beverly hillbillies theme song and it's beautiful which is great you know yeah. just weird al just doing what he does best is parodying songs and making them really really clever um just that's one of the things I've always admired about him. So a little history. Usually I do this kind of thing earlier in the podcast, but um, my exposure to Weird Al was on VH1. I would watch mm -hmm. VH1 in the morning before going to school back in the mm -hmm. late 80s. And I thought Beat It was coming on because I was familiar with that song. You know, Michael Jackson was kind of big back then. Mm -hmm. um, but then I saw that it was this white guy wearing the it's... red jacket. And I was like, what? And he starts singing about eating food. The song was called Eat It. <laughs> and um, I remember, like, I was getting ready to leave, and then it just kind of stopped in my tracks, and I just had to watch this whole thing. So I was like, what is this? Well, I'm going to be late to school today. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, so that kind of stayed fresh in my mind. And then I realized, oh, there's a separate celebrity or musician or whatever, performer, that does this like I then I started seeing more of his songs like a sturgeon um mm -hmm. fat um what were some other videos that he had out at the time um and then I realized oh he was on the Transformers movie soundtrack he had a song on there called dare to be stupid now that one wasn't oh, a parody okay. yeah it wasn't a parody of a particular song but it was more of a style parody. He basically made it in the style of like Devo. Okay. Right, and that makes um, sense. Devo has gone on record, I think on the behind the music for Weird Al, the, the one of the people behind Devo was like, yeah, I, I really liked how he did that and the tones that he got. And I'm kind of jealous actually, because he did us like as good, if not better than we do us. Yeah. Like, he's damn. really good at that. He really becomes. So my intro to Weird Al was a Disney CD I had, which I can't remember the title of the Disney CD, but he did a song called, oh, what do they call it? Oh, I can't remember. The Day the Anakin Became. The Day the Jedi Died? I cannot remember, but. Oh, The Saga Begins? The Saga Begins, yes, but it's the um to the tune of the. The, the American the, um, Pie. Jeez. American Pie song, yeah. The American Pie song. It's a tune to American Pie, and it tells the story of Star Wars Episode One, of little Annie meeting Qui-Gon Jinn and all that. And that was probably Which... the first 
I, it can't be the first Weird Al song I heard, but it's the first song that I heard that I liked and played on repeat and then discovered <laughs> more Weird Al from. So Yeah, that one was particularly good because that was right around, I want to say, 2000. So yeah. it came out, I think, a little bit after episode one premiered. Mm-hmm. And it was so good because the lyrics so perfectly captured essentially episode one. Like the, the whole plot of the movie is in the song. Yeah, but it's done to the tune of uh, American Pie. I um, generally, when I try to sing American Pie, I always end up saying Weird Al's lyrics instead. <laughs> oh yeah, me too. I I know all those lyrics by heart. Yeah, it's like bye bye, Mr. Anakin guy. I probably can't sing too much, unfortunately, because copyright and all that. Especially since Disney owns Star Wars now. So, but still, it's hilarious. It's great. Go look it up. <laughs> It's almost like it was meant to be because the lyrics of the song literally begin with a long, long time ago. Yep. I was like, how could that not just write itself? A little, a little side note. Apparently, mm-hmm. the cassette for one of his last albums that he uh-huh. released um, called Poodle Hat. Okay. I think that album or that was one of the last cassettes to be released when they were phasing out cassettes entirely. Oh, so wow. it became... Yeah, it became kind of a rarity. And apparently, it can go for a lot of money if you have one in like decent condition. Um, like, I remember, again, going back to Ambiguously Brown. I don't know why he's coming up so much recently. But um, he was talking about on one of our network podcasts, the uh, Jukebox Vertigo, mm-hmm. about how he found it at a, I think it was like a Goodwill. And okay. he posted it somewhere. It's like, hey, look what I found out of Goodwill today. It was like Reddit or something. And people immediately started floating his uh, DMs with like, hey, how much you want for that? I'll give you like a oh, hundred bucks for that. That's crazy. Yeah. So he did some research and was like, oh, shit. Like people really like are looking for this on cassette because it's like a collector's item. Like they didn't make a lot of them and it was discontinued shortly thereafter. So wow. Yeah. if you run into a Word L copy of a poodle head on cassette, keep it because that could be like a decent chunk of change to the right collector huh neat i'm gonna go check goodwill (laughs) (laughs) no i'm not (laughs) um so yeah let's see any anything else we missed so fletcher ends up losing the bet um, well, he ends up losing the town's want to, for him to even win because the engineer guy ends up, you know, showcasing what he said about the townspeople. And he digs his own grave when he gives the first homeless man, he gives him a penny, but apparently it's a very rare penny. And the guy cashes it in for a couple thousand dollars, ends up being able to finish the rest of $75,000 and also buys himself a Rolex, which he shoves in Fletcher's face because Fletcher wanted a Rolex. And it was great. Yeah, there was a scene earlier where it was his birthday and his son gave him, I guess, not a Rolex, some other kind of watch. Some other kind, yeah. Which he got super mad about. Real quick side note of trivia. Um, mm-hmm. the, the son of Fletcher is played by John Paragon, who was famous in the 80s for being part of the Groundlings. That's where people like uh, mm-hmm. Pee Wee Herman, Elvira, uh, Kathy Griffin. Okay. Um, they all came from that group. Uh, and John Paragon played Jombie, the genie, in Pee Wee's Playhouse. Okay. 
So yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting to see him in something not wearing blue makeup. I was like, hey, that's the uh, Jombi. No, not Jombi. What's his name? Uh, wasn't Jombi the robot? What was his name in the show? Uh, no, it was Jombi, wasn't it? I have yeah, because no the I robot was. I think the robot was Conky. That's what it was. Conky. That makes sense. I don't know. I I remember yeah. the Pee Wee movie. That's he about wasn't it. In that. <laughs> the movie yeah. was so not like the show. It was weird. Yeah, I got that, but I I do not remember the show really at all. And the movie was so weird to me. The I movie... would say we should add it to VHS gems, but I kind of don't want to because I kind of don't want to watch it again. Well, it was, I think that was Tim Burton's first live action movie also. Was it? Oh, gosh. Yeah. That makes On the strength cool. of that, he got Beetlejuice and then that led him to Batman. Batman. Right. That was, okay. That was a weird trajectory for someone to take. That was that was pretty weird. Well, that was that was the 80s though so back I mean, to oh we also forgot the other show raul raul's wild kingdom that show which wow. even as a kid i was like can you do that on tv like that was, I, I thought that too when i was watching it because the guy straight up throws poodles out of a window to see if they can fly and surprise they don't yeah. <laughs> And I was like, well, maybe this one can. He has a monkey in his drawer. And I was like, oh, there's a monkey. It was weird. But I think I, I think in trivia, I read that I think the actor died while filming. Yeah, yeah like very shortly. Like, didn't before. die while filming, but like during filming, he had yeah. passed away. Um, and they couldn't, like, they were going to do more with his character, but then they couldn't do that because he, he passed away. I don't remember why or anything, but. Maybe because of all like, that cruelty to animals. I mean, yeah. Well, Although, I mean, it I, I wasn't admit, real, but... I, I also really laughed hard when he shook the ant farm. <laughs> that was just so messed up. <laughs> that one was kind of a little funny. Because, <laughs> like, what kid hasn't wanted to shake an ant farm? Just like, they don't like yeah. it when you do this. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, no, they don't. Like, oh, they're really oh. mad now. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um. I still like my favorite thing was the wheel of fish with Cooney where he gets to call people. He's so stupid. And then (laughs) put the, the fish and I was watching it. I was like, those fish look real. And on this giant wheel. Oh, they were, I read it in trivia. Apparently the fish were real. Um, They were bought at the local fish market in the morning, in the early morning, they set it up at six in the morning um, on this just massive wheel with different kinds of fish on it and they didn't get to film that scene till 4 30 in the afternoon oh. the room was severe was unair conditioned and george uh, george and weird al said it, it it was pretty bad smelling as uh, fish would be <laughs> when they're sitting in I mean, an unair yeah, conditioned they, room they, on a wheel they they don't look fresh at all when they you see don't. them in the movie, and some of them aren't secured very well. So as the wheel spins, you see part of their of body or their tail flapping. I was like, yeah. "Is that real fish?" That's what made me think it was real because you see him flopping, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, did they really just tape fish to a wheel and spin it? Yeah, that's exactly what they did. <laughs> And then you get to choose between the red snapper to keep or get what's in the box. And she chooses the box. And what's in the box? Nothing. You stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Just, oh my gosh. I don't know, just making fun of all those silly 
shows like that where you make a choice and one's the bad one and I don't know. It's just, but I, she could have had a snapper. Could have had yeah. a red snapper. That's a good fish. I don't know <laughs> if I've ever had red snapper. I feel like I've had sushi of red snapper, maybe. I don't know. I don't know, actually. I'd have to look up what red snapper is. Because I did not recognize it. I know I've had a lot of catfish in my day. Yes, I have had snapper sushi. Mm. Madai. I'm going to have to order something like that next time. And then right before eating it, tell somebody, you're so stupid. So stupid. (laughs) There we go. But um, so what was your like favorite of the programs that were available on UHF station? Um, 62. I, well, hmm. Favorite of the programs. Hmm. I was going to bring up the Conan one. It's not my favorite, but. It pissed me off because he's using a Scottish claymore instead of a broadsword. Uh, and I was Conan like, the I, librarian. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a great pun, but just that, that little detail, there's actually a couple of details that really bug me in the, in the, uh, in the movie like that, where I'm like, Oh dear. Okay. Like I'm, yeah, it, it's, it's nitpicking. Cause like, so during the Rambo sequence, for instance, uh huh. right at, right before the end of that whole fantasy segment, Somebody shoots him, mm-hmm. and he catches the bullet in his mouth. But it's not just the bullet; it's it's the whole thing. It's the with the shell casing and everything. Yeah, it's like, not what would come out of a gun. Yeah, no, yeah. it's it was like okay, like I know that's that somebody really in the picking, production. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, like again, the the Scottish claymore. I was like, dude, that's so not the right weapon. But wow, okay. Um, and uh but as far as like favorite shows um i don't know if we ever actually get to see anything happen with it but i kind of was intrigued by the the engineers like world of science or whatever it was called yeah the engineer who ends up being an alien from another planet my job here is done (laughs) yeah he just steps away his face transforms which actually reminded me of another movie which i think they covered in the first season of vhs gems called my stepmother's an alien Mm -hmm. that is a very messed up movie by the way i distinctly remember watching it when i was a child that is not a kid's movie it is Hmm. it is definitely a comedy and there's kids in it but there's some pretty wild, like, sexy stuff going on in there that I was not prepared for. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it has kind of a similar scene where, like, aliens kind of just, like, okay, my job here is done. And, like, they turn into energy and fly off into space or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I don't know. I like that science guy for some reason. He was really cool. Um, but as far as the shows, what was a good one that, I, that we haven't talked about already? I'm trying to remember. It could be one that we have talked about and it's just your favorite. Well, I can tell you which one was not my favorite. Okay. That was the the Gandhi 2 sequence. Oh, yeah. That one was kind of a bit much. That one took all of the things we were talking about, about those 80s revenge movies and just put Gandhi as the main character. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I I think that was the director of the movie. Oh, really? Who was huh. very, very clearly in brown face makeup because that's the uh, did not look natural. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, I guess if I had to pick anything in particular that I really liked, I just it must be that spatula city commercial just because i still remember it so distinctly and like i said i remember growing up in the 80s and watching like i think it was ktla they had a lot Mm -hmm. of commercials from los angeles in there for some reason yeah Um, because i grew up in california so it was like makes Mm -hmm. more sense over there but yeah like there was so many of these like you could tell they were like local affiliate quality commercials yeah. And it was basically that. It was like a big advertisement of like some kind of a billboard. They showed you the outside of the building. Like Garlic World. <laughs> something. Yeah. Like I, I can't remember specifically what those places. I think some of them were mattress stores probably. Yeah. Like Mattress World probably was the name of one of them. Um, but yeah, I'm literally. the Mattress King. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's the fact that they nailed that tone that style so well yeah. which is what weird al is good at he knows how to nail something so exact that it's like well it's- even in the um sorry to interrupt but in the the initial first indiana jones scene i'm watching it i was like did they straight up use the set from it because it no. looked exactly like it what like it, it really looked exactly like it what I think they, they were using miniatures actually for a lot of those. Really? Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Because so it, it weirded me out because heh, weirdo. Um, uh-huh. uh, it weirded out me out that um, I was watching it. This is the first time I've seen the movie in well over a decade at least. I mean, it's mm-hmm. been a while. Even though this movie, I saw it so much as a kid that it's ingrained in my memory. I haven't seen it in a good chunk of time. And I saw this in like a, a really good high definition transfer, apparently, mm-hmm. uh, that was streaming. During those sequences in the first part, especially when he's running away from the, the big ball. Yeah. Um, you could see where there was rear projection happening. Yeah. Cause I could see like the 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 pattern of the of the movie screen huh. in the background. They had kind of like a like a wavy, I don't know what you call that design, but it's like if you've ever seen a movie screen up close, it's not just one continuous white sheet, basically. It's like it's got little like octagonal yeah. shapes or hexagonal, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see those and I was like, oh, wait, wait a minute. And then I realized, oh, wait, that looks like it's a miniature set and he's just kind of looking like he's running through it. Yeah, he wasn't actually in there. Well, I mean, some of those sets are. Yeah, he was definitely in a real location when mm-hmm. he's getting the Oscar off of the the pedestal, the pedestal which was great, yeah. by the way. That was a good uh, side gag too. That in the Golden Idol was a you know an Oscar, Oscar yeah. which something he was never going to get for something like this. But it's, it's kind but of a still. meta commentary. Yeah. Um, and I love too the fact that he's doing the whole Indiana Jones thing where he's calculating the weight and all of that, and then he just says "screw it" and just grabs it. Screw it, just grab it anyway. Yeah, yeah, that was great. He's really good at that. So, um, I don't know. I guess if I had a favorite thing, it must be that. It's, it's got to be the the Indiana Jones Indiana thing Jones. too. Then. Just right. because it was so well done and like they paid so much attention and like loving detail to it. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, it was it was a wonderful sequence, a great start, just and so many gags, one right after the other, with the wrong way signs and everything. Well, I mean, this one whole o- movie was a gag after a gag after a gag. But one other side gag I really enjoyed for some reason. There's just certain things that stick out to me. Mm-hmm. It's when uh, Stanley Spadelsky is being held hostage and he's trying to escape for the first time. He grabs a staple gun from a desk and starts like shooting staples behind him 
<laughs> and then Staples like the guy's the guy got them all face. over his face. Yeah, I don't know why that made me laugh so much. And oh, it's yeah, still, that's great. No, the the Conan the Librarian chopping somebody who had overdue books in half was that really was quick and great. It was great. I will say, I I remember distinctly because I worked at a library for a while. Um, <laughs> I would I. I would occasionally say, don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? <laughs> and uh, nobody ever got it. I was like, Aww. oh, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely dating myself right now. And people just thought I was being a jerk, saying, like, you go find it. I was like, no, I'm quoting a movie. It's funny. I'm quoting a movie. Here, we have yeah. it. Over here, yeah. you can rent it. Everybody else was too young. I was like, I was... I wasn't the oldest person there, but, like, nobody appreciated it. This came out in 1989. It's only a year older than me. Most of these people hadn't been born yet either. Oh, okay. And they probably didn't have fathers that watched it constantly too. Yeah, that's that is fair. I was like, I recognize. I know, I don't know. I probably wouldn't recognize that line, but I would have recognized it if you showed me the picture <laughs> of the movie. I'd be like, oh, right, that. But but yeah. So and yeah, the the gag with um. What's his name? Emo something. Where he cuts off his finger. Emo Phillips. Oh, and emo he cuts Phillips, off, yeah. yeah. Cuts off his finger and blood just squirts everywhere. And he says the line. It's like, oh, I think my face is red. Yeah. And it's like like he's embarrassed, but he like, actually has face red. fake blood all the, over his face. The way he talks is so, so weird. If, uh, is. Again. As a as a as a companion to this, I would recommend if you can find it, it's probably on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Watch the behind the music for Weird Al because they mm-hmm. talk to a lot of people from UHF. And Emo Phillips shows a check that he received for like thirteen cents because uh-huh. he still gets residuals from UHF anytime they play it on like cable oh, TV no. or something. Thirteen cents. That's he was like, this is this is the gift that keeps on giving. Every so often, I'll get one of these in the mail, and it's like. Pay to the order of Emo Phillips, thirteen cents, or whatever. I was like, "Wow, oh, <laughs> really getting those back end deals." <laughs> that's wonderful. All right, so one more question: If you could have a show on a random local channel, what would that show be? Which, I granted, I'm saying this as we are podcasters, <laughs> but still, <laughs> what would the show be? Oh, it would have to be VHS gems, just in a video format. <laughs> video <laughs> we, format of VHS gems. Yeah, I mean, we'd have to have like between two ferns kind of background where there's like oh, yes. maybe a, a copy of the actual VHS of the movie we're talking about if we can find one. If we can then, find one, we have to show clips too. Like we need to get yeah. There'd have to be a little bit of editing involved to be able but, to show clips and editing and maybe getting then, special guests of random side we, characters. <laughs> But we would actually have to do if we do like what's the drink for this movie or let's try a, that that Twinkie hot dog from the movie. We would have to do that on screen also. <laughs> no, you can right, have I'll, fun with that. I'll, I'll you and that the special guest can do that. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> actually, no. If I'm honest, I totally would have been talked into doing it. <laughs> but still, um, I actually do have a show that I would do. I I feel like I would. Um, have a show to teach critical race theory to children. 
since our schools are not going to be allowed to do that anymore, I think I really want to have a show in which you teach history in a critical manner. And you know what? Well, not critical, but in a realistic, like this is what happened. This is this person's truth. This is that person's truth. Do with it as you will. I want to change my answer then. Oh, okay. Since you, since you actually had a good one. I, a good one. <laughs> um, okay. In that case, I want to have like a Stanley Spadowski clubhouse type of show. Uh-huh. But instead of like those wacky shenanigans, we actually talk about things like um, how to do your taxes, how the Federal <laughs> Reserve works, like these really, how to have like good credit. Um, how to have, have good some, credit. Yeah. yeah. That'd be great. From a from a kid's standpoint, where like it'd be like Schoolhouse Rocks, you know, where you'd have uh-huh. like a little animated segment, and like your your W four is singing like, "I'm a W four, and this is what <laughs> I'm for," you know. Oh, <laughs> cute! It would be cool. Yeah, it like, would be cute. Yeah. So I've actually thought about that. I was like, man, what am I passionate about? Maybe teaching like the next generation not to make the same mistakes I did. <laughs> Yeah. Like, well, what did I not know that I could have learned as a younger person? Okay, how to maintain good finances, how to like do this and that. I was like, well, yeah. I so. I remember when my my dad and my uncle explained to me how banks work, and it literally blew my mind that banks were allowed to exist. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what it's, do you mean they just use my money, but I still have my money? But then they can use my money, and then if they crash, it's because they used all my money, and they can't give me back my no, money. They, but they can use money. they can use your money to pretend they have more money yeah. and make imaginary money that they hope that they'll be able to actually have later on as long as nobody takes the money out at the same time. I actually learned a lot about finances from Mary Poppins, which actually came up earlier today in a different conversation entirely. But the yeah, fact on, that, on Twitter, like, it's one of your comfort films. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I love the fact that a little boy basically caused like a, a market crash like, in Mary Poppins, um, yeah. which is, I was great. like, I don't understand. And then I realized, oh, because everybody wanted to withdraw, which means that the bank wouldn't have any further equity. So they couldn't do any more loans, which is how the bank actually makes money. And I was like, whoa, like there's a lot going on here, which <laughs> makes sense now that I know that uh, P.L. Travers, his father was a banker. And I was like, okay, well, she definitely knew a lot about that then. But yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a whole fascinating thing how like pop culture seeps into real life and back and forth. Oh yeah, all right. I like I like that show idea. Then more more people should know how to handle financing and taxes and all that stuff. So and probably more people should get involved in their government as well. (laughs) Oh yeah. Definitely. I say this as a person who like has yet to get involved with my local government, even though I keep on being like, I should join a committee. <laughs> I should go to PTA meetings. <laughs> yeah, that that you could do. Make change. Talk up. Speak up for the teachers. You are a parent. It's a parent. I'm a parent. You are a parent. <laughs> All right. You. So any anything else for? UHF, it's just, it's hilarious. Yeah, Fun it's time. a classic. I don't think you can remake this um, no. at all. Like it's such a time capsule of a movie, and it's like it's. I don't so think good TV works that way anymore as well. No, too, so. definitely not. Yeah, like UHF doesn't exist anymore. I think, as far as I know, like everything, all the TV signals are digital now, so mm-hmm. it wouldn't even make sense. Yeah. Um, but 
it definitely I'm trying to think if there's something that's like a spiritual successor to this movie or along the same lines um I want to say Mystery Science Theater 3000 maybe was kind of like a good companion to this in that it's got kind of like the independent broadcasting thing. Because the way that Mystery Science Theater started is that it basically was a UHF type of show uh-huh. that essentially broke out and became its own thing. Yeah. So. I love that. Um, I love Mystery Science Theater. <laughs> yeah. That's uh that's why I talk during films. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, me too. I, I, I actually like that. I like it when they do, like, I like watching movies with commentary back when that was more popular because I like hearing things about it while it's happening. I'm one of those weird people. I like having conversations. And that's why a lot of people don't like me at movie theaters a lot because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter who's next to me. I want to comment on something that just happened. I just want to crack jokes. That's all so, I want to do. Same I was like, I remember. I went to go see Batman versus Superman by myself, and I nearly died not talking <laughs> to the person that sat next to me. Like, I was just like, I had to annoy the crap out of her. I feel so bad for that random lady, but I, I was literally like <laughs> leaning over in the side, just like hand to my mouth, like, don't say it. Don't say Martha. I might, yeah, if I have to bite my tongue, I might start live tweeting during a movie next time, like I was Uh, doing for a while. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) You were doing it. I I was, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. No, this is a good movie, cult classic. Like it, love it. Everyone should watch this at one point. Um, it's, it's, It's a very specific kind of humor, but... If you listen to this kind of podcast, then I think it'd be right up your alley anyway. Mm, yeah, I, I agree. It's it's a great movie of its time movie. Um, it's hilarious. It's gag after gag after gag. And they don't necessarily make sense, but they make you laugh. And we live in a world in which we could occasionally use a really good, ridiculous laugh. Um, yep. Yeah. UHF, 1989. John, where can people find you if they they want to learn about how to properly fill out their taxes? Uh, well, first I need to learn myself. But <laughs> once I get all of that taken care of, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Magic Bollocks. Yep. And if you would like to teach, or if, if you'd like to teach, if you'd like to, if you think that we should teach history as it actually was instead of trying to sugarcoat it for children, uh, you can reach me as at JM Bailey Writes on Twitter. Uh, you can find this podcast and other podcasts that we are in, such as The Geeks Watch on geeklymedia.com. Uh, you can also find Geekly as at geeklymedia pretty much anywhere, facebook.com forward slash geeklymedia. Uh, we do have a Patreon page as well that will be forward slash Geekly Media. So if you have a couple extra dollars running around, become a Patreon and you can do surveys and decide what we talk about and other and get um, early access to shows. And you can also get surprise only for Patreon shows and gags and, and stuff like that on our Patreon page. Um. At least if you could totally be totally awesome and just like like and subscribe to whatever you are listening to this podcast on, feel free to also comment to us. We'll always get back to you wherever you're listening to. Um, 
it is a huge help for the algorithms and gets us out there a bit more. Um, this has been VHS Jumps from Geek Elite Media. And always remember to geek, geek out. out. This concludes our broadcast.